0: and we're open today until the end of the day, Friday, May 3rd. All right, y'all, here's that episode you're waiting for. Hey, 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 welcome back to another bonus episode of the Parenting After Trauma podcast. I'm your host, Robin Goble. During the month of February here in 2023, I'm bringing you one extra podcast episode a week. It's an episode where a listener asks a question and I answer it. Here's today's question. This listener writes in and writes, I'm so confused about the rad diagnosis. My son's therapist suggested it, but Everything I read online is super scary and hopeless. Can you please help? Okay, yeah. So RAD, which stands for Reactive Attachment Disorder. The diagnosis of RAD is indeed really controversial. In fact, I sat in a lecture with Dr. Dan Siegel, uh, I don't know, over a decade ago at this point, where he stated that RAD is extremely rare and extremely overdiagnosed. Yet, for families living with a child who has the kinds of behaviors that would lead to a diagnosis of RAD, life can be a nightmare. It can be lonely, isolating, traumatic. It can be dangerous. And when I talk about RAD and the problems with a RAD diagnosis, I don't want to minimize that at all. I absolutely am not going to contribute to the minimization of the gaslighting of families who are living with kids who have these behavioral symptoms. So I want to acknowledge that and then also go back to this listener's question, right? Their feelings about being confused and feeling scared and hopeless Because everything they're reading online about RAD is scary and hopeless. And that is why RAD is a diagnosis that I actually think I've never given. Sometimes kids would come to treatment with me and they already have that diagnosis. But that's not a diagnosis I think I've ever given. And it's also not a diagnosis I ever talk about. I mean, I don't know that I've ever even talked about RAD on the podcast and with the families that I've worked with, I talk about RAD typically only when it comes up or when they're asking me a question that sounds a lot like this one, like somehow they've stumbled across the diagnosis of RAD or maybe somebody else has suggested it to them and then they go to Google and they start searching and they're terrified, And that's because the information that you find online about RAD when you start Googling is super outdated. It is not based on what we understand about neuroscience and the impact of trauma on attachment and what behaviors really are. And frankly, a lot of the information you can find online is dangerous. It's suggesting outdated and dangerous treatment interventions, both clinically and parenting. So let's look a little bit more at what does it mean to get a diagnosis of reactive attachment disorder and why this can be a Challenging diagnosis, even if it is accurate. So, implicit in the idea of reactive attachment disorder is the fact that there has been trauma inside the developing attachment relationship. In the field and the study of attachment, the language we use to talk about what happens when trauma occurs inside the developing attachment relationship is disorganized attachment. It's one of the categories of attachment, and it's developed when there is trauma inside the attachment relationship. So let's back up just a tiny, tiny bit here. John Bowlby, who mostly is recognized as kind of the father of attachment theory, he identified three attachment behaviors. I'm not going to go a ton into this. I'm going to give you places to go where you can dive into this further, but I think this is important to contextualize what we're talking about. So these three attachment behaviors, one, to seek, monitor, and maintain caregiver proximity. Two, to use the caregiver as a secure base to be able to have the curiosity to go out and explore the world. And three, to flee to a caregiver when distressed. All of those pieces are important when thinking about attachment and categories of attachment and disorganized attachment in particular. But what I want to talk about today in this short episode is that disorganized attachment happens when the caregiver is who is what's causing the distress. They're causing the distress in the child, either by being scary, like abusive or emotionally weak or absent, either physically or emotionally absent. And All of those circumstances, abuse, physical or emotional absence, being emotionally weak, all of those circumstances would cause distress in a child, right? But one of the attachment behaviors is that kids flee to their caregiver when they're distressed. So they flee to their caregiver because they're distressed, but it's the caregiver who's the one who is causing the stress, now, I did an episode about disorganized attachment like a year and a half ago, and then it's contributed to the creation of my brilliance of attachment ebook. So you can go check out those resources to understand more about disorganized attachment, robingobel.com slash disorganized attachment, or just go get the whole ebook, which is robanggobel.com slash ebook. Kids diagnosed with reactive attachment disorder certainly have disorganized attachment. Now, disorganized attachment is not a diagnostic category. You don't go to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, Mental Health Disorders, the DSM, and find disorganized attachment. It's not something that a clinician can diagnose and then treat. It's a way of viewing and seeing and understanding Attachment behaviors, but it's not something we can use for clinical diagnosis. Reactive attachment disorder is then what can be used as a clinical diagnosis. But something really important happens when we say RAD or reactive attachment disorder instead of disorganized attachment. And I think it's that we inadvertently focus on the result instead of on the cause. we talk about disorganized attachment, I think it's a little easier to remember what caused the problems that we're seeing now. And maybe it's just simply because for whatever reason, the language disorganized attachment hasn't receive the level of stigmatization that the label reactive attachment disorder has. But for whatever reason I have found that staying focused on disorganized attachment helps us stay focused on what caused the behavioral symptoms as opposed to when so often when folks are using the diagnosis of rad, what we're thinking most about is the symptoms Okay, so now in order to manage the intensity of the internal distress that has absolutely no solution or soothing, which is what caused the disorganized attachment in the first place in what is awoken in the moment when kids are demonstrating the behaviors of disorganized attachment or they're having the behaviors that folks often are labeling reactive attachment disorder, right? That's about internal distress that has no solution or soothing. And so, yes, that results in really, really bizarre ways of behaving, kind of in general, but definitely behaving in relationship. These kids also missed out on a ton of experiences that aid in the development of relational skills like empathy, for example. They get really stuck in what we call here on this podcast, protection mode, because everything is dangerous, including connection. So their nervous system is constantly operating in protection mode. So Bessel van der Kolk, who is the author of The Body Keeps the Score, you may have heard of Bessel van der Kolk, he introduced the idea of complex developmental trauma, which really does feel like from a treatment provider standpoint, like I'm a treatment provider, I was a treatment provider, complex developmental trauma has just always felt like a much more accurate way of describing or categorizing kids who ultimately... Have disorganized attachment. Developmental trauma disorder has seven different, what Vanderkult calls domains of impairment, and includes things like cognition and biology and sense of self. And yes, attachment is one of those seven domains of attachment, but that's a really important piece of this. It's just one of seven domains of impairment. So complex developmental trauma disorder, when we think of that as a diagnosis instead of RAD, is a much more accurate and comprehensive assessment of a child who has the kind of behavioral symptoms and the history that would lead to a diagnosis of reactive attachment disorder. Attachment is just one piece of developmental trauma disorder. But with RAD and the diagnosis of RAD, attachment is the focus. I mean, it's not even just the focus. It's all that's being considered. In developmental trauma disorder, we are going to continually reorient back to the cause, which helps us remember what is needed in treatment, which is safety, presence, and co-regulation. Children and yeah, adults too, but we talk about children here with disorganized attachment can have behaviors that are harmful both to themselves and others, physically harmful and of course, relationally harmful. They severely lack the ability to regulate themselves and they don't trust other people to be safe and and to offer them the co-regulation that they're really quite desperate for. Yet at the same time. Connection remains their biological com- imperative. They are terrified of connection and in many ways convinced or only know that connection is going to hurt and maybe kill them. Yet at the same time, connection remains their biological imperative. They literally need something to survive that they also believe could kill them. So yeah, of course, that leads to bizarre, chaotic, overwhelming, harmful behaviors. But the treatment is to treat the trauma, to offer safety, connection, and co-regulation. And then, yeah, to do this in a way that's titrated because too much connection feels dangerous. So RAD, as a diagnosis can actually feel so relieving to a family. Receiving RAD as a diagnosis might be the first time a family feels really seen and believed about the chaos that is just completely consuming their lives. It might be the first time that they aren't blamed for all of their problems or or told that they're making it all up. And it might be the first time that their services could actually get paid for, but it also can send that family to Google and then down a rabbit hole of more terror, as well as down a rabbit hole of tactics and techniques that do not help. In fact, they are harmful. Being in a relationship with a kid with disorganized attachment causes so much chaos that These parents are vulnerable to falling victim to experts, so-called experts, I've got air quotes going, who are ultimately recommending coercive and controlling treatment tactics, again, clinical tactics or parenting tactics. And the parents who kind of fall into this aren't bad parents, they're desperate parents the chaos that they live inside of is desperate for any kind of just coherence or organization. And and sometimes that can just lead them very, very vulnerable to believing these controlling and honestly, at times, abusive tactics that, that they're the right approach. But the treatment to trauma, which is why I like to like to stay focused on the developmental trauma disorder and the disorganized attachment, the treatment to trauma is never, ever anything but safety. I am not going to pretend at all that this is easy. Offering safety, presence, connection, co-regulation to somebody whose nervous system is trapped inside disorganization and, and then has behaviors... Right, behaviors are just what we see on the outside that lets us know about what's happening on the inside, and so these are disorganizing, chaotic, out of control, dangerous behaviors. Right, this is not easy. Right, like parenting, these kids can feel impossible. Right, and I'm definitely not talking about how to treat rad in a short little Q and A episode, but I can say with certainty the treatment for relational trauma, which is what's underneath Reactive Attachment Disorder, is never, ever coercive control and manipulation. So unfortunately, that is the problem with a RAD diagnosis. So if you have a RAD diagnosis for your child, use that diagnosis to get you the services your family needs, but do this while staying really focused on the underlying trauma, which means seeking treatment providers who can navigate the complexities of a RAD diagnosis and still remember what's underneath that diagnosis, which indeed is the trauma. If we can remember that it was coercive and manipulative, dangerous and dissociated experiences that caused the attachment disorganization in the first place, it becomes much, much, much easier to remain clear and committed to the fact that coercive and manipulative practices could never treat attachment disorganization. Kids with the kinds of histories and behaviors that leave them diagnosed with RAD are very hard to be in relationship with. I know that. I am not pretending for a second that it's not. But we have to stay focused on the trauma. One other thing that I have found that can come along with a rat diagnosis is that it makes it really easy for us to overlook and disregard and not pay any attention to other contributing factors for the challenging behaviors, which could be things like uh, fetal alcohol, right? Or other nervous system vulnerabilities like pans or pandas, right? We just get so myopically focused on, on the attachment trauma and those behaviors that we mistreating or noticing or assessing for or accommodating for very important brain-based differences. Y'all, kids with disorganized attachment absolutely can have destructive and dangerous behaviors. I definitely never want to contribute to the gaslighting of these families or or to the family who wrote in with this question, right? Families who are dealing with behaviors that really truly most people can't even begin to comprehend. We can recognize the truth in that while also holding close to the reality that our attachment systems are brilliant and adaptive. Kids with disorganized attachment act in bizarre ways because they expect relationships to hurt them, yet they need relationships to survive. As hard as it is, the first step is always to recognize that all behavior makes sense. These kids are doing exactly what they believe they need to do in order to be okay. Okay. We want to look at this through the lens of disorganized attachment inside the overall diagnosis of complex developmental trauma. And yeah, we can do that while using RAD as a diagnosis. Again, sometimes that's the only way we can get treatment kind of paid for, right? But if RAD is the diagnosis... Still, take a step back from that. step be constantly taking a step back from that and reminding ourselves what that means. It means disorganized attachment. It means trauma, terror, despair inside early attachment experiences. That helps us remember what the treatment is. connection, safety, co-regulation, presence. And again, y'all, I'm not pretending that this is easy. Okay, so if you want to learn a little bit more about attachment and disorganized attachment, you can go to my episode about disorganized attachment, com slash disorganized attachment, or you can just go right to my full ebook, com slash ebook. In the show notes for this episode, I'll put some links to Dr. Bessel van der Kolk's complex developmental trauma disorder white paper so that if you want to, you can learn a little bit more about that. So in summary, if you have a child who has a diagnosis of RAD or has somebody suggesting that they may have RAD, I want you to take a breath and then I want you to not Google reactive attachment disorder. Instead, I want you to Google complex developmental trauma disorder or helping kids with disorganized attachment, something like that. Stay focused on the trauma it's not easy, but it is the right path. All right. Thanks for joining me on this extra bonus episode of the Parenting After Trauma podcast. We have four Fridays in February, so I'll be doing four Q&As. This is number two. On the regularly scheduled Tuesday podcast, we're in the middle of a big series on boundaries, which I'm really excited about. So make sure you're checking out that series as well. And I will see you back here next week for next week's Q&A. The absolute best way to make sure that you do not miss an episode of the Parenting After Trauma podcast is to go to your podcast app and hit subscribe. That way you'll be notified of every new episode that comes out always on Tuesdays. Sometimes I give you a bonus on Fridays. All right, y'all. I'll see you next time. Are you ending this episode with maybe a big sigh of relief? Like, yes, finally, someone gets me and my kids including groups for siblings of dysregulated kids, a huge video library with uh, something like 80 or 90 videos, plus transcripts and certificates of completion. Plus, of course, a very active forum that I'm participating in every single day. We open for new members periodically, so go check robingoble.com slash the club. If we aren't open now you can put yourself on the waiting list and I'll let you know the moment we open for new members. That's robingoble.com slash the club. Now, if you're a professional and you want to strengthen your capacity to work with the families of kids with big baffling behaviors and vulnerable nervous systems, plus use all of my materials, including a 12-module course that follows Raising Kids with Big Baffling Behaviors, plus be included in an online searchable directory so families all over the world could find you, then you're looking for Being With, which is my year-long immersive training program that runs January through December. So you'll want to go to com slash with. read all about it, and if you're interested, put yourself on that waiting list too.